Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. So if you would, turn with me to Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. If you got your phones, uh, your iPads, or if you actually have your Bible, turn to Psalm 23. One of the most well-known psalms in the Bible. It is one that that we recite so much, and we're going to dive a little bit uh, into this. And I was actually uh, in Michigan for, uh, in Detroit at home for Mother's Day. I went and surprised my mom and my dad was preaching about fear and it was, it really just started to speak to my heart and I started writing down some notes and realized that, you know, that it was something that I had actually started writing like months ago. And I was like, oh, this is really good. God, you're amazing. And I just kind of put it all together and started writing uh, this message. So it kind of came out of that. Psalm 23, verse one, you ready? The Lord is my shepherd. And I'm reading from the NIV. I lack nothing. In another translation, it says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters or still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, another translation says the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, not in the presence of my friends, the people who like me, the people who are on my side, the people who are already cheering me on. But you prepare a table in the presence of the people that don't want anything to do with me, the presence of my enemies. And spouses, your uh, husband or your wife is not your enemy. You anoint my head with oil. I'm going to move on from that very quick. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love or your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm is written by David. And David can write the psalm because he knows a little bit about shepherding. David was a shepherd. That was his, in a sense, profession. That's what he did for years and years and years. That's how David learned how to be a king. That's how he learned how to kill Goliath. That's how he learned how good God was because he was a shepherd. And so it's easy for David to understand what it meant to be a shepherd and relate to God or refer to God as the good shepherd because He knew something about shepherding. He knew the love, the affection, the tenderness that it would take to be a shepherd because he saw God exhibit those traits in his own life. And as I was reading through this passage, it really made me think of the trust that David had for the father. There was a, a high level of trust that he had for him to say that this He is my shepherd and I lack nothing. So as I was reading through this, the Holy Spirit just really started to to speak to me. And I said this first service and and any of us that get up here and preach, before we get up here to preach a word, man, God just really just convicts us and works this word all in and through our life before we can actually get up here and speak. All the preachers say amen. 
Man, that was like 25 preachers in here. What's going on around here? We got some small group leaders in here. And then it got quiet when I said that. So I'm reading this passage and the Holy Spirit is just really working on me. And this part, the first part, that first verse, that the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. God spoke to me and said, do you really trust me as your shepherd? Do you really trust me to lead you, to make you to lie down in green pastures? Do you really trust me to lead you beside still waters? Do you trust me to restore, refresh your soul? Do you trust me to lead you in paths for my name's sake? Do you trust me enough to give me everything and and, and to know that I'm going to ensure that you lack nothing? And I started to look at my life. I was like, wow, God. If you know me, most uh, the people that really, really know me around here, you know I got about 17,000 jobs, (laughs) like literally I work like 10 jobs, but I want to make sure that my family's taken care of. I want to make sure that my kids have nothing to worry about, that my wife has absolutely nothing to worry about, that every time we go to the fridge, there's going to be something in there. I'm going to make sure that we always have something. So I'm a hustle. And I tell my wife all the time, you ain't never got to worry about being broke because this one is a hustler. I'm a hustler. I'm going to make sure that we good. If I got to work 24 hours straight, come home and sleep for about an hour and go back and do it again, we good. But God said, that's not good. Because where does your trust lie? Does your trust lie in your ability to provide for your family? Or do you trust me to be your shepherd where you lack nothing? Do you trust God as your source? Or are you trusting in your job? If your job went down today, are you going to freak out? If they start laying people, some people are like, no, I'm going to be glad. <laughs> he was like, I'm sorry. If they start laying people off, are you going to get scared that you might show up and have a pink slip on your desk? Or do you really trust God as your shepherd, knowing that you lack nothing, that if it goes down, I'm still good because my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. So when David is saying this here, that he's my shepherd, I lack nothing. That means I don't have to worry about anything because when I need rest or when I need sustenance, he's going to make me to lay down in green pastures. When I feel like I'm dry and I'm thirsty and I need some water, he's going to lead me beside those still waters. When I'm feeling like I'm weak and I want to give up, he's going to restore or refresh my soul. When I feel like I'm lost and I need direction, he's going to lead me in paths for his namesake because he's He's my shepherd. I lack nothing. Do you trust God like that? And it's not a trust that looks and thinks about tomorrow. It's a trust that says, God, no, I trust you for today. That I have everything that I need today. That's why Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. He didn't talking about next week, the month, uh, a month from now, six months down the line. No, give me what I need for today. You wonder why? When God gave the Egyptians manna, 
Every time they tried to store something up, they got worms and maggots and it turned real bad for him because he's like, listen, I don't need you to worry about storing up for tomorrow. I'm going to make sure that every day you wake up, you're going to be provided for. Where does your trust lie? Does your trust lie in him as your good shepherd? Or does your trust lie in your own self, in your own abilities? Listen, you're not that good. I'm not that good. At some point in time, that body's going to run out. And when it hits me, man, it hits me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, let me tell you how to meditate on the word really quick. This passage of scripture, you should let this be something that you memorize. It's very easy to memorize. But this is how you meditate on the word. As you read that and you say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And you think about it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack no thing. Man, I lack nothing because the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to say that after me. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Say, I lack nothing. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Now, you may not believe it the first time. You may not believe it the second time. But you keep on saying that by the fifth time, sixth time, tenth time. It may take a hundred times. But eventually, you're going to believe it. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more you say this to yourself and the more you hear yourself saying the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm talking about the fact that he's my shepherd, that I lack nothing. I'm not worried about you. I'm not praying for you right now. I'm praying for me. He's my shepherd and I lack nothing. That was absolutely free. Had nothing to do with my message today, but it was good. (laughs) But I want to focus on verse four. And verse four says that even when or even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear, fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So my message title for today is walking through. And everything that we go through in life, we're always going to be, we're always going to eventually hit this valley, this dark place. And I know sometimes we as pastors and not, not necessarily here, but you know, everywhere else, um, but (laughs) we want to make you feel like everything is going to be all right all the time in your life. That everything's going to go good every single day of your life. You're going to always, always, always see good stuff. That's lies. Because life happens. Life happens. But here's what the enemy wants you to believe is that when life happens, he wants to say, hey, God happened. It's not God. It's life. Life happens, but I'm going to show you what happens 
what God does when life happens in your life. In this passage, when he says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death that I won't fear any evil, one of the main words that reaches out and speaks to us loud, more loud, louder than anything else is that word fear. That word fear. That four-letter word has so much power in our lives. Actually, it does not have power in your life. You give it power in your life. Fear has no power. It only has the power that you give it. Fear stops destinies. It ruins marriages. It prevents growth and forward progress. Fear, this four-letter word. It's scientifically proven that you lose all logic and reason when you're in fear. Your mind just shuts off because all the blood rushes to your heart and your heart starts beating faster and your breathing picks up and that adrenaline kicks in and your body goes into a fight or flight kind of thing because of fear. This four-letter word will stop you from fulfilling what God has for you, the plan that he has for your life. There's a story in the book of Job. Everybody know Job. But everybody talks about all the bad stuff that happened to Job. But do you want to know why all of that bad stuff happened to Job? Job tells you why all of the bad stuff happened to him. He said, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. It was Job's fear that brought all of that stuff upon him. So you want to see bad negative stuff happen in your life? Walk in fear. Because the very thing that you are fearing is the very thing that will come on your life. Have you ever noticed, in fact, I, I was just talking to someone, uh, uh, not a family member, it was a friend, that they had a loved one die of cancer. They had been living just fine, healthy, and they had this little pain in their back. And they went to the doctor to find out what this pain was. And they had had this pain for quite some time, but it just started to get you know, worse and worse and worse. They were perfectly fine, perfect, perfectly healthy, no issues at all. They go to the doctor, and the doctor comes back with the results and says, you have stage four cancer. Fear set in. They died in two weeks. This perfectly healthy person died because, I won't say because of, but fear played a part in that. But what would have happened what would happen in your life when fear tries to creep in and you remind yourself that the Lord is my shepherd? I lack nothing. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't have any fear. Let me show you what this valley of the shadow of death looks like. It's a shepherding term. You guys can put the picture up there. It's a shepherding term. Well, before I put, take the picture off. Psych. <laughs> Let's talk about this fear a little more, real quick. 
And some people are like, can you move on from the fear, Pastor Dave? No, I'm going to stay right here. Step on your toes a little bit longer. This four, it is, it's all right. This four-letter word. My kids, is Ari in here? No, she's in middle school. Okay. My kids are, they're both in middle school. So I'm not going to, I won't embarrass them. And any of y'all who are friends with them, do not embarrass my kids. You're going to have to see me. Catch me outside. How about that? (laughs) So my kids, whenever they go upstairs, if it's dark, if it's at nighttime, they have to turn every single light on to go up the stairs. And I get so frustrated. I'm like, why are you turning on every light in the house just to walk upstairs? There's a nightlight at the top of the steps. If you just go up a few steps, you're going to see the nightlight and you can get to your room with perfectly clear vision. Who told you that you had to be afraid of the dark? Now, I know how fear, how we get fear. We get fear. It's, it's taught. Some of us are afraid of spiders because we've seen somebody else afraid of spiders when we were growing up. My kids don't like cats because they see my wife doesn't like cats and she gets freaked out when they come around. And so now my kids are like, oh, it's a cat. It's a cat. You'll be fine. If you don't bother it, it won't bother you. And some of them are just demonic and they just walk up to you and slap you for no reason. It's like, I wasn't even talking to you, man. So they go upstairs and they, turn, they got to turn on all the lights. And again, I get so frustrated and I tell them, I'm like, listen, you don't have to turn on the lights just to go upstairs. Just go up there. It's okay. You don't have anything to be scared of. And I told him, I asked my son, I said, what are you afraid of? He was like, I don't know. I said, look, son, your dad goes to the gym every day. I promise you, you're good. I promise you. And I grew up in Detroit. I'm from the hood. I promise you, you're good. If somebody come up in here, they will not leave out. I promise you. Hashtag fit pastor. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I had to throw that out there. I'm sorry. And so I said it one time and my daughter, she says, well, dad, what are you afraid of? I was like, take your butt to bed. Don't disrespect me like that. But it made me think. And I said, how can I make her feel bad about her fear? And I'm afraid of stuff too. Don't make someone feel bad because their fear doesn't look like yours. Because they are not afraid of the same thing that you're afraid of. Because they've got fear and so do you. That's why you can't judge anyone. You can't judge anyone for the sins that they do. You can't judge anyone for their weaknesses because you got weaknesses too. Move on, Pastor Dave. Put the picture back up. Let's go. This picture here. This picture here. When David says that I, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, where you see the little green bushes, trees, whatever it is, that right there is considered, the shepherd's considered a valley of the shadow of death because as the sun shines, it casts shadows on certain areas and certain areas are dark, they're shaded, you can't see. And in those particular areas is where wild animals hide. They hide and they wait for the shepherd to come by with his sheep and when they come by, they jump out and they eat the sheep. So they call this area the valley or these 
areas, the valley of the shadow of death. Now, on the other side of that may be a green pasture, or it may be uh, those still waters that we're talking about. There's something on the other side of it. Now, the sheep don't know what's on the other side, but the shepherd knows. The shepherd's not going to lead them somewhere where he doesn't know what's on the other end of that. But he knows that they've got to get through this valley in order to get to that promised land, if you will, or in order to get to that green pasture or to get to where that water is, where I need, uh, where, where they can rest and they can, they can be filled. But we've got to go through this valley. The interesting thing about the shepherd, when they go through here, sometimes the shepherd walks behind them, not through this part, but when they're walking, the shepherd may walk behind them or he may get in front of them. But when they go through this valley, the shepherd comes right in the middle of them. He doesn't get behind them. He stands right in the middle of them as they walk through this valley. And so when the sheep see that the shepherd is there in the middle, the sheep don't have any fear. They're not worried about what's in the shadows. They're not worried about what's in the dark. They're not even thinking about that. All they're thinking about is the fact that my shepherd is right here in the middle of this valley with me, walking with me through it. So David is saying, when I walk through this place of uncertainty, when I don't know what's hiding in the shadows, when I don't know what the enemy may have for me five feet ahead, five days, five years ahead, I don't have a reason to fear because my God is right here in the middle of it with me, walking with me through this dark valley. And I'm going to get to the other side, but I got to walk through it. And so sometimes when we get to these valleys in our lives, we're praying, God, deliver me from this valley. Pull me out of it. Stop praying that. And realize that God is walking with you through it. David says, even though, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have any reason to fear because God is with me. Fear. That four-letter word. Fear. You know how many times the Bible mentions to not be afraid, fear not, don't fear. You know how many times that's mentioned in the Bible? 365 times. Somebody caught it. That means for every day of the year, God is encouraging you that you have no reason to fear. That means that every single day, it doesn't matter what's hiding in those shadows. It doesn't matter because you don't know what's ahead. God knows, but you don't know. But the one thing that God wants you to remember and realize is that though you don't know what's ahead, you have no reason to fear because I'm right here with you. God is walking with you through it. The other interesting thing about that passage in Ephesians, or Ephesians, in uh, uh, the scripture, Verse four, Psalms, Psalm 23, verse four, is that he says, even though I walk through, he didn't say he was running. He said, I'm walking through it. You ever seen horror movies? And when the, 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 I said the first service and I can't even, I don't even remember what it is again, Jason or Freddie or what do you call it? They're not villains, but, huh? Who said it? The boogeyman? No, it's not the boogeyman. <laughs> but y'all know what I'm talking about. Those old movies, I don't really know if it's in a lot in this, these new movies, but in those old movies, 
when Jason is coming or Freddie is coming, do you ever notice that they never run and they're always walking? It's like, how the heck they walk so fast? Like they run in full sprint and then they turn around and you right around the corner when you was 500 feet behind me. But they're running. And you notice that every time they're running, what's the first thing that happens? They trip and they fall. It's like, really? Come on. Like you could have you tripped over a rock or something. You tripped over your own feet. It wasn't even nothing there. Really? And then when they fall, they're looking back and they're trying to get away. And it's like, dude, you dead. It's over. It's over for you, dude. But you notice that they're always running and they're looking back as they're running because of fear. But David said, I'm not running through this valley. I'm walking through it. He said, I don't have any reason for hesitation. I don't have any reason for haste. I'm calm. I'm walking through this valley, the shadow of death. Jesus followers always finds us, find ourselves in one of two places. We're either in that valley that I just showed you or we're on a mountaintop. In our life, we're going to experience one of two places, the mountaintop or the valley, and everybody loves the mountaintop. Everybody loves the mountaintop. The mountaintop may not feel like it's not a place where, where you're happy all the time and every bill is paid and all of that good stuff and everything is going good. You ain't got nothing to worry about. No, the mountaintop is where I feel like I'm the closest to God. It feels like, man, I can pray and I hear God instantly. I can feel and I can experience his presence. Like, oh man, God is so close. I love you, Jesus. That's <laughs> why we feel, feel, feel God's presence. Mountaintop is also where we stop praying as much. But the valley, nobody likes the valley. Because the valley is where we struggle. The valley is where life hits. The valley is where life becomes challenging. It's where we fight a lot of battles. It's where we start praying more than anything. Sometimes I feel like God's like, well, dude, where was you just at when you was on that mountain? No, he would never say that. He just enjoys your presence or enjoys your voice and your time with you. The valley is where feelings are hurt and attitudes are developed. The valley is a place where we struggle every day with our fears and our hopes and painful circumstances. Every day, every one of us is going to find ourselves either on this mountaintop or, 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 or in a valley. Where are you now? Are you in the valley or are you on the mountaintop? I mean, here's the amazing thing about both places. The songwriter, Torrin Wells, he wrote this song called Hills and Valleys. It's one of my favorite songs right now. The acoustic version is much better than the other. It just seems more personal. I don't know, but anyway. Hills and Valleys. And he says, on the mountains, I'll bow my life to the one who set me there. And then he says, in the valleys, I'll lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. He's saying, if I'm on the mountaintop, I know it was God that put me there. And if I go down into the valley, God didn't put me here, but I know that he sees me and he's with me here. 
And he says, when I'm standing on the mountain, I realize that I didn't get there on my own. And when I'm walking through the valley, I know that I'm not alone because he's the God of the hills. And he's also the God of the valleys. God is with you whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley. And on the mountaintop is where we go to meet God. But in the valley is where God comes down to meet us. On the mountaintop, when, when he called Moses, he told Moses to come up to the mountain. I want to talk to you. I want to spend some time with you. On the mountain is where we feel like we are so close to God. It's where we go up to meet God. But in the valley is where God says, hey, you need me. I'm going to come down and meet you. He's God of both places. There's three things you need to know about a valley. The first thing that you need to know is that valleys are inevitable. They happen to everybody. You see there in Psalm 23, verse four, David said, even when, even though I walk through, it's, it's going to happen. When it happens, it's not a matter of, of if it's gonna happen, it's a matter of when it's going to happen. But either way it goes, I don't have to fear. It's a normal part of life. It's inevitable. You can't plan them. You can't prepare for them. You can't resource yourself enough. They're not going to come at the time that you want to come. You're not going to hit a valley. It always happens at the worst possible time. Like when you feel like everything is going wrong and it's like something else is like, oh, Jesus, I can't take nothing else. The refrigerator just went out. And then the AC go out. Now it's 85 degrees in here, and then I'm driving down 35, and my whole engine block fall out of my car. What in the heck is going on? Like, how the whole engine fall out? Like, really? I couldn't get a flat tire. got to be the whole engine. <laughs> but that's how it is. It seems like it's like the worst. Everything that, like, could happen, it's like, this never in a million years would happen to anybody else, but because I'm going through all of this hell in my life, now this thing want to happen to me. It's inevitable. My confidence is not in the fact that the valley is coming. Though I know the valley is coming, I'm not putting trust or confidence and waiting for it to come. And I'm in fear like, uh, is it going to happen now? Uh, is it going to happen now? No, my confidence is not in that. My confidence is in the fact, the truth that I know when the valley comes, God's going to walk with me through it. Because I know it's coming. It's inevitable. But I also know that he's going to be right there with me through it. And you don't have to stay there. Listen, stop staying in the valley. Stop, say, stop allowing yourself to stay in this dark time. Don't just camp out there and just sit there. Well, I guess it's going to be another bad day. You are the people that everybody try to avoid. Like, oh man, here they come. Something always going wrong. Something all, don't stay in that valley. Get out of there. Walk through it. David reassures us that we can walk through the valley. Why? Because point number two, 
valley is temporary. It's inevitable, but it's temporary. It's not a dead end street. David's confidence and his faith was not in God's ability to get him out of the valley, but his confidence was in his ability to be with him through the valley. Right now, you might be in a valley and your valley may be filled with shadows of death. And here's the thing, it's just a shadow. It's not death, it's a shadow of it. It's not even a real thing. It just appears to be something that it's not. As I stand here, the light is shining here and there's a shadow cast behind me. That's not who I am. It appears to be me. It's a silhouette of me, but it's not who I am. And someone, uh, someone told me, uh, uh, JJ, which is great. It was great that he said this to me between services. We always get concerned when somebody come up between services like, hey, let me tell you what, I, uh, what you should have said or what I heard or something like that. It's like, come on, dude. I spent a lot of time. Really? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but he said, Pastor Dave, look, this is what God showed me. The only way that you can see the shadow is if you're not paying attention to the light. It's like, man, that's good. The only way you're going to see those dark times, the only way you're going to see that shadow, that cast of, uh, of evil that the enemy is trying to throw your way is if you're looking at it, turn your eyes and look at the light. It's temporary. And then the last thing is, the valley is a testimony. Your valley, what you're going through right now, is a testimony of who God is. How can you know that God is not a deliverer if you've never been delivered? How can you know that God's not a healer if you've never been healed? I can read about it in the Bible, but it hit different when, it, when, it, when he heals me. That word hit different when he delivers me from something, when he delivers me and walks with me through the valley. It's a testimony. There's three boys that know something about God walking with them through a valley. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Have you heard the story about them? They refused to bow to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, I want you to put them in the fire. Crank it all the way up. Fire was so hot, it burned up the people that were putting them in, which was, should have been a sign already. They was putting them in, and they ain't burned up, but the people that put them in burned up. Man, that should have caught your eye right there. Like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. But the interesting thing was, and I'm getting ready to close. The interesting thing was that they said, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow. We're still not going to give in to your world system. We're still not going to buy into your rules. We still know that we're in this world and not of it. So even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow. But the amazing thing was, when they got into the fire, they didn't pray and say, God, deliver us out of this fire. In fact, they didn't even say anything. And God didn't deliver him from the fire. He put Jesus right in the middle of it with him. Woo! 
So they're in this place, this fire where they should be dead. And God sent Jesus and put him right there in the middle of it with him. Because if you study that, the picture of, 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 of it, said, it said the person that was in there, was, it was another, there's another man and that man is like the son of God. Well, how did he know that? Jesus was right there in the middle of the fire with them. So you may be going through a valley right now. It may seem dark. You may not know what's hiding in the shadows. You may feel like you're being thrown in the fire. And the fire is meant to consume you, to burn you up, to kill you, to destroy everything that you, uh, everything you have worked for. But if you just realize and remind yourself that God is your shepherd and that he's walking with you through it, that you don't have to lack anything. You don't have to focus on this valley of shadows. Take your eyes off the shadows and put your eyes to the hills from which come your help. Put your eyes on the one who sees you there. Put your eyes on the one who loves you more than you could ever love yourself. Remind yourself when these valleys come that God, you're my shepherd. I lack nothing. Yeah, the bills are due, but God, you are my shepherd. I lack nothing. Yeah, I feel alone. I feel like I don't have anybody, no friends. People just keep leaving left and right, but God, you are my shepherd. I lack nothing. I'm struggling with anxiety and depression, and I, and I can't get a control on it. God, you are my shepherd. I lack nothing. I'm depressed, I, I, I'm in sorrow, I need some joy. God, you are my shepherd. I lack nothing. Remind yourself, whatever valley you may be going through, that God is your shepherd. And you can trust him to make you to lay down in green pastures, to lead you beside still waters, to refresh and restore your soul, to lead you in the right paths for his name's sake. You can also trust him to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies, to anoint your head with oil, to see your cup overflow, to see your life overflow with joy and with peace and with love. You can trust him. He's a good shepherd. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.